take control of my heart, take control of my mouth. Let everything be said to your glory. It's in Jesus' name that we ask it all. And the church said amen. amen. To our pastor emeritus, Pastor Charles D. Twyman. To First Lady, Sister Twyman. To our assistant pastor, Reverend Minor to all the deacons and trustees, and to you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a privilege to be here. I want to acknowledge and thank the executive committee for offering me this chance and this opportunity to come and share with you on this very special and very important day. Amen. If you have your Bibles, there is a word located in the Gospel according to John, the 13th chapter, beginning at the 12th verse. Since today is a day that we had acknowledged our leaders, I think it would be most appropriate if we share from the Word of God as it concerns leadership. John chapter 13. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Very familiar discourse, very familiar passage of scripture. Beginning at the 12th verse, it says, So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I want to share with us from the thought, if you know better, do better. If you know better, do better. When it comes to leadership, leadership is all about influence. And spiritual leadership is about biblical influence. If God has called us to a position of spiritual leadership, then we must embrace the call, anticipate spiritual opposition, and commit ourselves to a journey 
of spiritual growth. There's a man whose name is Robert Greenleaf. He is credited for coining the term servant leadership. He wrote a book that was a series, a collection of essays that was later published under the title, The Servant as Leader. As I read his bio, I read about the schools that he attended. I read how he spent 39 years at AT&T. I read about how he met his lovely wife. But nowhere in that bio did I see that he gave his life to Jesus Christ. It amazes me how the world can take something spiritual and make it secular. I'm pretty sure that he had a lot of great ideas. I'm pretty sure that it was written from a place of genuine concern of leadership. But when it comes to the model of spiritual leadership, we don't have to look at Robert Greenleaf. We don't have to look at Joe Biden. We don't have to look at Mayor Michael Duggan. We look to the author and finisher of our faith. We model ourselves after the pattern, the life, and the words of Jesus Christ. Do I have a witness in here? It's interesting that according to the Barner Research Group, the American church is dying due to the lack of leadership. We're living in an unprecedented time. We're living in a period of history where we have access to so many resources, so many more mediums and more opportunities that, that's ever been known in history for us to be able to present to the lost Jesus Christ. And yet it seems as though that the church is losing her influence. Again, the primary reason that the Burner Research Group had identified was due to the lack of leadership. When we talk about leadership, we're not just talking about the pastor. We're talking about those who serve at the will of the pastor. Those who provide leadership in ministries. Do I have a witness? You see, leadership encompasses more than just the pastor. He is the focal point. He is the one who is charged with equipping the saints. But you and I in the body of Christ, you and I in the local church, we have a greater responsibility. See, you don't need a title to be a leader. 
You don't need a position to be a leader. If God woke you up this morning, you're eligible and qualified to be a leader if you are in Jesus Christ. I, 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 I think sometimes that we get too comfortable with looking at other folks to do stuff when we could do it ourselves. Do I have a witness? I think we are comfortable enough to rest on our laurels to say that somebody else would do it. Somebody else would take care of it. Well, sometimes God would allow some things to come into your attention so that you can take care of it. But what is leadership? Is leadership some type of glorious position? Is leadership something that we are entitled to? Is leadership something that we should aspire to? Well, you can answer the question through the word of God. Because here's the fact. If you know better, then you should be able to do better. It's a difference between knowing about Christ and working on the behalf of Christ. It, it, it's, it, it's a difference between the knowledge that we can gain versus the knowledge that we actually apply. You know, if you know better, you ought to do better. So here we are in this 13th chapter. We know that the 13th chapter of John is where is known as a transitional chapter. It's where Jesus has moved from his public ministry into a more private and personal ministry. We understand that Jesus is now placing his focus on his 12 disciples. Here we see in the text that Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. Here it is. He loved them to the end. Jesus was aware of his purpose. He was aware of his time. Although all throughout John we can see his awareness. We see it in John chapter 2, you get in that fourth verse, where Jesus is attending a wedding. And, and Jesus' mother comes to him and lets him know that they are out of wine. But Jesus responds to her and says, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not come yet. In John chapter 7, when his own brothers tried to discourage him and, and encouraged him to leave Galilee and go to Judea, they, they, they really did not believe in him. And Jesus responds to them and says, listen, my time has not come, but your time is always ready. 
Yeah, yeah. And now we see in, this, in, in the 12th chapter of John, specifically in the 23rd verse, he now makes the announcement that my hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Let me ask us a question. As leaders, are we aware of our time? How much awareness do we give to time? You do know that you won't be in leadership forever. You do know that in your time that the Lord can use you but in that time, he has an expectation for you to help and grow somebody else. You see, leadership isn't something unto itself. Leadership is best seen through the influence and impact that we have on other people's lives. And specifically, starting at home. Do I have a witness in here? I, I know that Jesus was preparing himself. But as he was preparing himself, he took the time to prepare his disciples. Here's the thing. In his knowledge of what was going to happen, during this time, this is when the devil had got in the mind of Judas, Judas Iscariot. And, 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 and he planted the seed for him to betray Jesus. Think about that for a moment as a leader. There are always going to be some folk who don't agree with you. There's always going to be some people that don't have your back. There's always going to be some persons within the ministry that would do contrary to what the Lord is telling you to do. But how do you respond to that situation? Well, you respond to it the way that Jesus did. As leaders, we ought to be thankful for those thorns that are in ministry. We ought to be thankful for those people who give us a hard time because here's why. It's a benefit to us. It will drive us to our knees and pray more. It will make us to become more patient. It will make us to grow just a little bit more in Jesus. So be grateful for the ones who give you a hard time. Now, congregation, I'm not saying that gives us a license to give people a hard time just because. But we have to acknowledge the fact that there are some people within ministry that work contrary to the ministry. You see, a true servant, a true servant leader looks for the opportunity to serve when there is a need. Let's walk through this for a moment. Here's Jesus. At the Passover supper, and they are finishing up their meal, and there's no servant in the house. You see, back in that day and time in the Middle East, people just wore sandals. And your feet, through traveling so much, will be really dirty. 
So whenever you enter into a house, there is supposed to be a servant there at the door waiting to wash the guest's feet. Can I tell you something about leadership? Leadership looks for a way to meet an unmet need. That's what leadership is all about. Leadership doesn't wait for somebody else to do it. Leadership steps up and gets it done. Do I have a witness in here? That's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus prepared himself. Jesus looked and saw the situation for what it is. And can I say something to us as leaders? We have to be able to know how to read the room. You have to be able to learn how to read the room. What is missing? What needs within the ministry are being met? And do we have the resources and the capacity to do what we need to do to meet somebody else's needs? There has to be a willingness on our part because God didn't place us in leadership for nothing. He placed us in leadership to serve and not to be served. That was the attitude of these disciples. You do know they were congregating amongst themselves, trying to one-up each other. James and John asked Jesus, listen, when you come into your glory, let us sit on your right side and let the other one sit on your left side. But Jesus challenges them and says, listen, can you drink from the cup that I'm going to drink from? And so the disciples were kind of upset about that, right? The disciples were mad because these two try to one-up themselves over the other ten. That's true in the church today. We always trying to one-up each other. Always trying to one-up. I'll never forget this. Philly and I, after we had got married, we were over her father's house. And we were standing in the front, and one of Philly's sisters had just come into town. And so Philly was in the process of introducing me to her sister and her sister to me. She had shared, this is my husband, this is Eric, this is Reverend Shoemate. He's a preacher. You know, we're at Oakland Avenue Missionary Baptist Church, and so on and so on. And so her sister was sitting there looking, and she responded, well, yeah, you know, I married a preacher too, and I'm the second first lady. Did you hear what I said? The second first lady. Sister Twyman, is there such thing as a second first lady? Help us, Lord. We're always trying to one-up each other. We're always trying to be better than somebody else. Just be the best that you can be and keep your focus on Christ. Jesus made it clear, listen, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. All of Jesus' ministry was about serving. So, if you're going to do better, if you're going to move from knowing into actually doing, 
There are some principles in God's word that we need to apply right now. The first thing is, if you look at verse 12, what influence does Jesus Christ have in our lives? As a leader, and again, I share with us, you don't need a title to be a leader. You don't need a position to be a leader. You just need a willing heart to serve. What is the level of influence does Jesus have in our lives? Because it could be seen in one or two ways. Either we are under the influence of Christ or we are under the influence of our ego. Yeah. I, 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 it's always common within ministry that whenever the person who was the head of the ministry when, when they have to step down, when the pastor chooses somebody else, that that person would take their marbles and go home. You know I'm, I'm telling the truth. But I've seen a real-life example of servanthood. And I've seen it through the life and actions of Reverend Ronald Davis. Here's why I say that. When Reverend Davis... Um, stop being the superintendent of the Sunday school. Did he stop teaching? No. Because for him, it was about the glory of God, not about a position or title. That is an example of leadership. That you don't have to have a title. You don't have to be in position. You don't have to have a robe. You don't have to have a cap. You don't have to have whatever it is that you can use to identify yourself as a leader. Just have a willing heart to serve. Jesus had took off his garments. He had washed the feet of his disciples. Can you imagine that? That here is God in the flesh having to stoop down to wash people's feet, his disciples' feet. If that is not an example of what servanthood is, I don't know what is. And he did it for a distinct purpose. He did it for a distinct reason, right? So that the disciples can take his example and apply it to themselves. If you want to be great, serve. If you want to be first, go ahead and be last. That's what it's all about. Jesus asked them in verse 12, do you know what I have done for you? And that's something that every leader needs to wake up and realize each and every day. Do we realize what Jesus has done for us? Do we realize how his goodness is in spite of how we are and how we act? He still continues to forgive us. He still continues to have compassion toward us, but it doesn't give us a license to do what we want to do. He said, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say, well, you know, it's a difference between what we say and what we actually believe. Because what you actually believe will show up in your behavior. 
and the way that we treat one another. Do I have a witness in here? Yeah. Jesus said that the true measure of influence, the true measure of influence of Christ in our lives is our ability to serve others, even those who we know that don't like us. You know, Judas was in the midst. And even though Jesus had foreknowledge of what he was going to do, he still washed his feet. How about you? How about you? Can you still serve those that don't like you? Will you still serve those who talk about you? Will you still serve those who, who, who mean you harm? That's a serious question that we have to ask because the true measure of leadership is against what Jesus has presented us. And anything less will not do. So the second thing that we need to realize, not only what is the level of influence of Jesus in our lives, but the second thing we need to understand is who do we imitate? As leaders, who do we draw our example from? You know, in order to be an example, you first have to be up under an example. Do I have a witness in here? You know, Jesus said in verse 15, for I have given you an example. And the word example here in the text means copy, a pattern, a figure of a thing or person to be imitated. So when we are truly influenced by Christ, we imitate him. We respond to the needs of others as he did. That's why Paul says in Philippians 2 and 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, what is the mind of Christ? Well, in his mind, in his behavior, everything that Jesus did on earth was bent to serve. That's what it means. And, 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 and here's the beauty of it. Paul continues to say that in being found in the appearance of a, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Are you willing to become obedient? Are you willing to put your feelings aside? Are you willing to put the petty things that occur in life? Are you willing to put that to the side in order to meet the needs of somebody else? That's what leadership is all about. So how do we imitate Christ? By fulfilling his commandment that he recorded in John 13 and 34. A new commandment I give you. That you what? Love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. Here it is, if you have love for one another. That's not required by title. 
That's not required by position. It is required to be in the body of Christ. God didn't save us for us to be mean and honored. He saved us so that we can love one another and grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we come to a close, if you know better, you ought to do better. If you're going to be effective in Christ-like leadership, if we're going to have an impact on the lives of the people that God has entrusted us, and he entrusted that into our stewardship. Please know and understand that as a steward, we are nothing more than managers. We are managing something on behalf of somebody else. We are managing in ministries on the behalf of the pastor. We are managing within ministries on the behalf of Jesus Christ himself. So, not only do we need to be under the influence not only do we need to imitate him, but we also need to have clear intentions. Christ-like leadership is intentional. It doesn't happen by accident. It happens through the time that we spend with him. It happens through our devotion to him. It happens through the way that we engage in the study of his word and how we make application of his word. Jesus says in that 16th and 17th verse, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he whom sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. In other words, Jesus is saying to you and I that it's not about who is greater. It's not about who gets the credit. It's not about our title. It's not about our position. What Jesus is saying to you and I, that if we are his disciples, we can't think that it's beneath us to serve somebody else. This is what we are called to do. Jesus says blessed. That word blessed means that, that we are in a position as a believer. We are in position from receiving God's provision, his favor, which literally extends or makes long his grace. And contained in God's grace is the benefits that you and I don't deserve. This is what it's all about, brothers and sisters. It happens when we are obedient to what God has called us to do. I'll never forget the first time that Pastor Twyman and I sat down. We met for a long time, Pastor. It was like six hours. Did you know that Philly was going to call the police because she thought I was missing? But I'll never forget, Pastor, what you have shared with me. There's a lot of things that you share, but one thing that stands out is when you told me, when you hear reverend, hear servant. When you hear minister, hear servant. Because a lot of times we allow words to help us create a big head. We allow titles to create a big head. 
we allow positions to give us a big head. But let me tell you something, Christ can't do nothing with a big head. But he can do something with some big hands that's ready to work on his behalf. I don't know about you, but when it's all said and done, I know I probably got about two or three witnesses in here. When it's all said and done and I see Jesus for myself, I don't want to hear him say, good job, Eric. I don't want to hear him say, good job, preacher. I just want to hear him say, servant, well done. You've been faithful over a few things. Come on up and I'll make you ruler over many. Listen to all of us who are leaders and everyone under the sound of my voice as a leader. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to give God your best because he has given us his best in his son, Jesus Christ. So I want to remind you that if when you have given the best of your service, telling the world that the Savior is to come, be not dismayed when men won't believe you. He'll understand and say, well done. And the reason that he can say, well done, is because over 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Golgotha, Jesus hung between two thieves. Jesus hung on an old rugged cross, and he died on that rugged cross. He was buried in the borrowed tomb, but early on the third day morning, he got up with all power in his hand. He declared that all the power in heaven and earth is in my hand. And that power, that's in Jesus' hand, can help us to move from knowing better to actually doing better. Let us all stand. There may be someone here. There may be someone here who doesn't know the Christ that we are talking about. There may be someone here who is in need of refuge. The doors of the church are now open. Won't you come right now? Jesus.